Welcome to The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcasts. In particular, if you want more Christmas-related old-time radio detective uh, programs, I'd encourage you to go to christmasfeed.greatdetectives.net. And there we've uh, collected all the Christmas programs we've done uh, over the years in a handy feed so you can listen to as many as you want. And also check out the amazing world of radio at amazing.greatdetectives.net. We have uh, our annual Christmas special up over there. But we also have about 150 episodes of other programs we've done, including our summer series, Top Secret, and some of the past series, including our Summer of Angela Lansbury, Great Movies Over Radio, and Summer of Bogart. And then there's the video version of this podcast at videotheater.greatdetectives.net. And don't forget our World War II podcast, thewar.greatdetectives.net. Now it's time to get into our episode of The Fat Man, which aired on September the 2nd, 1954. Not a particularly Christmassy date, but it was syndicated. Um, I'm not certain why it aired that way, but uh, here is uh, Murder Sends a Christmas Card. There he goes into that drugstore. He's stepping on the scales. Weight, 239 pounds. Fortune, danger. Who is it? The Fat Man. In this business of solving crimes, the detective runs into two types of criminals. The old-time pro and the first offender. The old-timer with his record, fingerprints, and well-known pattern of procedure is always at a disadvantage. And by hard work and the help of a stool pigeon or so, he is usually caught. Your amateur, on the other hand, becomes the detective's $64 question. He has no record, no pattern, and is unknown in the underworld. That makes it real tough, because you've got to work in the dark. And believe me, that's not fun, especially when you're dealing with a murderer. And now, here's the fat man in Murder Sends a Christmas Card. It must have been about 5.30 on a cold, snowy afternoon when I saw this girl come out of Kelly's pool hall on Carter Street. She wasn't exactly what you'd call beautiful, but she was nice-looking. Slim, neatly dressed, and certainly not the type of girl who hangs out in pool halls. She stood on the sidewalk for a second, as if undecided where to go, and then started across the street. Maybe she didn't hear the car coming, or maybe she didn't care. The driver tried to stop, but the streets were slick. I took four running steps, and I dived. It was a good tackle, and the snow eased our fall and helped us slide clear just as the car skidded by. Oh, didn't hear it. Didn't I... your mother ever tell you to look up and down before you cross the street? You're a lucky lady. Yes. Yes, thank you. 
I must have been thinking of something else. I, I just didn't hear the car. Here, let me help you up. Are you all right? Oh, yes, I think so. Oh, my ankle. Is it sprained? No, I don't really think so. I must have turned it. I'll be all right. Thank you very much. I... Oh, now, take it easy. You're not going to get very far on that ankle. No, please, I, I must get home. I... I left my little boy with a neighbor. I must get back. Okay, I'll take you home. Here, lean on my arm. No, no, please. I, I live a long way from here. Sam goes to that pool room because it's near where he works. Uh-huh. But uh, let me get a cab and take you home. No, no, I... Sam wouldn't like it. Who's Sam, your little boy? No, my husband. That's why I came out. I, I was looking for him. Is that why you went in the pool room? Uh, yes, I, I thought he might be inside. Sometimes he does go there. So worried. Why? Is he out of work? No, he, he has a job. Not a very good one, but he is working. Then why did you think he'd be in the pool room? Well, this is his day off, but... Oh, that isn't the reason that I... You're not making much sense. You didn't get that worried look just because your husband might be playing pool with the boys on his day off. Now, don't misunderstand, but I'm just trying to be helpful. I suppose I'm being silly, but I was worried... I was afraid... Afraid of what? No, it's nothing. I know I to burden you with my trouble. Maybe talking will make it easier. You are very kind. My name's Myra Davis. Well, my husband's job doesn't pay much, just enough for us to get along on, and Sam gets discouraged. He feels he can give us the things that we need. That's always tough, but... It's really nothing to worry so about. Well, that isn't why I'm so worried. This morning it all came to a head. Sam lost his temper. We had an argument and he left. He said he was going out to get some money. Funny look on his face when he went out. When he came back this afternoon, I, I got worried. I, I was afraid. That he might get in trouble? Yes, I, I thought he might do something wrong. I. Oh, don't you see? Sure, sure, I see. But while we're talking, I'm going to take you home. And who knows? Maybe I can help Sam get a better job. Hey, taxi! The Davises lived nearly two miles from the neighborhood of the pool hall. The apartment wasn't exactly what you'd call classy, but it was neat and clean. Just as we opened the door, the telephone rang. Hello? 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 Yes, I'm not. Well, maybe it was Sam. Maybe. Maybe he found a better job. Maybe. I hope so. But why would he call? Why wouldn't he come home and tell me? Now, don't get upset again. You'd better go get your little boy. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Are you sure your ankle's okay now? Yes, it's much better now. In that case, I'll be running along. Thank you so much, Mr. Vernon. I do hope you can help, Sam. Well, I'll do all I can. In the meantime, you cheer up. Take this card of mine. Give it to Sam and tell him to drop in and see me tomorrow. Maybe I can help him. Oh, thank you so much. Skip it, sweetheart. I'm an old boy scout. This is my good deed for today. <laughs> wasn't any reason why I should have been worrying about this guy, Sam Davis, and his wife, Myra. 
He was probably a nice young fellow, down in his luck and bitter. Maybe he was headed for trouble because of it, but... Well, it wasn't any of my business. Besides, it was time for dinner, and I was hungry. It was cold and snowy outside, but I couldn't get them out of my mind. Maybe I was a sap, but I got a cab and rode all the way back to Kelly's bar and pool room. It was snowing harder than ever when I walked in. Yeah, what'll it be, mister? Give me a beer. By the way, do you know a fellow named Sam Davis? Yeah, sure, I know Sam. Has he been in here this afternoon? You a friend of his? Yeah. Here you are. Yeah, Sam was in a little while ago. How long ago? Oh, well, let's see. It was after his wife was here looking for him. Uh, she come in about an hour and a half ago, but Sam wasn't here then. He come in soon after she left. I remember because I gave him the message that she was looking for him. Oh, then he went home. No. He went to the phone booth over there to call her. Said he'd got himself a job tonight, so he'd be late getting home. I thought he had a job. He has, but uh, he's going to pick up a little Christmas money by driving a truck or something for the guys he was with. He said it'd pay good. Uh, but them guys didn't look exactly like trucking magnets to me, though. How do you mean? Oh, nothing except, uh... Well, since you're a friend of Sam's, just between you and I, uh, they didn't look like Sam's type. Know what I mean? Yeah, I was afraid of that. You didn't know the guys he was with. No, but uh, I get the idea Sam owed one of them some money. They sat back there and talked for a while. I think they was arguing with Sam. Finally, they get up and all of them left. How long ago was that? Oh, not long. Uh, maybe five minutes before you come in. Okay, thanks. See you again. Merry Christmas. I left the pool room and walked east toward the subway six blocks away. It was getting colder. The street was one of those extra-wide warehouse line streets, dark, and deserted except for a small cigar store a few feet ahead of me. There was a telephone booth inside. I went in and dialed Davis's number. Hello? This is Brad Runyon, Mrs. Davis. Has Sam come home yet? Oh, no. No, he hasn't, Mr. Runyon. I, I do wish he would. Oh, now, don't worry. I have an idea for Sam, but I'll tell him tomorrow. Oh, you're very kind. And don't worry. Sam will probably be along in a little while. Goodbye now. I went back out into the dark, snow-covered street and tried to forget about Sam Davis. I was four long blocks from the subway when a truck skidded around the corner a block ahead and rolled to a stop in front of a warehouse on the far side of the street. The door of the truck opened and three men got out. They seemed to be in a hurry. One of the men unlocked a small door beside the big rolling one used for trucks and the three went inside. I walked ten yards farther towards the subway and the rolling door of the warehouse went up with a bang. I saw the flash of a gun in the black open pit of the warehouse. I jumped sideways into a doorway and pressed against the wall. Two men ran suddenly out of the warehouse. One was bareheaded and the other wore a cap. They both had guns in their hands. A third staggered behind them and toppled headlong on the snow-covered walk. The guy wearing the cap stopped when his pal fell to the walk. But the first man ran to the truck and drove off. The guy with the cap on tried to make the truck, but it was too late. Just then, a cop came running down the street, and a guy still on his feet started to run. He forgot how slippery the street was, but it saved his life. His feet slid out from under him, just as the cop fired and the bullet hit a window. Maybe he thought he'd hit the gunman. Anyway, he waited a split second too long before trying to fire again. 
The man in the cap turned over while he was still sliding along in the snow. He only fired once. The cop's arm flew up over his head. He fell forward on his face. I grabbed my gun and moved quickly out into the street, but the man in the cap was already nearing the corner of the next block. It was too dark and I missed. By the time I reached the corner, he was gone. I tried to follow his footprints in the snow, but he'd gone into the street and I lost him in the slush. So I went back to the warehouse. Evidently, nobody else had heard the shots. The cop and the third gunner were still where they'd fallen. There was a police call box next to the small door of the warehouse. I opened it and asked Lieutenant McKenzie of police headquarters. Lieutenant McKenzie speaking. This is Runyon, Mac. Ah, hello, Brian. I thought this call was from one of my men. The cop who ought to be making this call is lying in the gutter across the street. What's happened? A holdup that went sour. There's a gunman on the sidewalk and a watchman inside, both carrying lead. Two of the stick-up boys got away. You'd better get down here with an ambulance and a prowl car. Where are you? Colby Street, about three blocks from the river. Okay. I closed the call box. My eyes traveled back along the sidewalk where the man in the cap had slipped in the snow and done his fancy shooting. Something bright and shiny caught my eye. It was lying on the sidewalk where the snow had been scraped away by the man's fall. Went over and picked it up. It was a chromium-plated cigarette lighter. It obviously had fallen from the man's pocket when he went down. I struck a match and looked closer at it. There was engraving on the back that said, To Sam with love from Myra. I put the lighter in my pocket, then crossed the street. Hugging the shadows and walking fast, I went back to the cigar store two blocks away. The proprietor dozed behind the counter and a radio was playing. That's why he hadn't heard the shooting. I looked at my wristwatch. Twenty minutes of eight. Less than ten minutes had passed since I'd left the telephone booth. I closed the booth door and dialed Sam Davis's number for the second time that night. Hello? This is Brad Runyon again, Mrs. Davis. Oh, it's all right now, Mr. Runyon. All right? Yes, Sam came home. There wasn't anything to worry about at all. He, he thought that he might have a job tonight, but he turned it down and came home. He turned it down? Yes. I talked to you less than ten minutes ago, Mrs. Davis. Sam hadn't come in then. Oh, no, no, I know that. He came in right after I talked to you. Put him on the phone a minute. I want to talk with him. Oh, he's not here now. Where is he? You mean he came in ten minutes ago and has left again? Yes. Why, what is it, Mr. Runyon? Did he see where he was going? No. Had a phone call that seemed to upset him. When I told him about you, how you promised to get him a better job, he's, he seemed to feel better. His cap on... Now, wait a minute. Did you say cap? I... Well, yes, Sam always wears a cap. He told me not to worry that he had to settle something, that he'd be back again in a little while. Then he left there just a minute ago. Well, he just got out of the door and your call came. I see. What's wrong, Mr. Rennie? Tell me the truth, Mrs. Davis. It's important. The truth? But I am telling you the truth. Sam didn't come home, did he? You got a phone call from him five minutes ago. No, no, he didn't call. He was here. He only just left. He called and he told you to say he'd been there. No, no, he was here. I swear he was. What is it? What's happened? I'm sorry, Mrs. Davis, but there's been a murder. <laughs> 
The man who did the shooting was wearing a cap when he dropped a cigarette lighter with the engraving to Sam with love from Myra on it. You gave Sam that lighter, didn't you? He couldn't have been there. Your apartment is two miles from here. Stepped out of the cigar store, two prowl cars and an ambulance stood in front of the warehouse. Four cops stood around in the glare of a searchlight. I should have gone up and joined them, but I didn't. Somehow, I wasn't quite sure. There was the lighter, the man in the cap, Myra's scared, flustered voice. It should have added up, but somehow it didn't. Maybe it was because I didn't want it to. I headed back to Kelly's pool room. As I walked, I brought out Davis's lighter and looked at it. I realized I was holding more than just a lighter in my hand. I was holding a man's life and a woman's happiness. That's a lot to hold in your hand. I quit thinking about it and remembered that I was a licensed detective. As I entered Kelly's, the bartender glanced up and nodded. I took a seat where I could watch the door and also the game of pool. The clock above the bar said a quarter to eight. The door to the street opened and a man wearing a cap came in. He was young, not more than twenty-five or six. Slim, about five feet ten, neatly dressed and rather good-looking. He looked round the room as if he were searching for somebody. Then he reached in his pocket and took out a pack of cigarettes. From force of habit, his hand reached toward the pocket for a match or lighter and stopped as if he remembered. I knew it was Sam Davis. He turned to the bartender and walked toward him. I took the lighter from my pocket and followed him across the floor. Got a match, Joe? Oh, hello, Sam. Sure. Here you are, keep him. Thanks. Uh, never mind the match, Sam. I'll light it for you. Huh? Here you are. Why, thanks, sir. Where did you get that light? I thought you might be interested. Who are you? Never mind that. I want to talk to you. Talk to me? What about? Is there a room around here, Joe, where we can have a private talk? Yeah, right back there beyond the tables. It's the boss's office, but he ain't in tonight. Nobody with any brains will be working tonight. I ain't got no brains. Come on, Sam. It ain't locked. Just go right in. Okay. Okay, mister. What's the pitch? Sit down. Who are you and where did you get that lighter? I found the lighter where you dropped it tonight. Where I dropped it. I didn't drop it. It's no good, Sam. The cop died. The cop died? Hey, what are you talking about? Where were you at 7.30 tonight? 
I was home. I can prove it by my wife. I've already talked to your wife. She can't prove anything. But she saw me. She can tell you. She's your wife, Sam. She loves you. You shouldn't have let her down like that. Listen, you gotta believe me. I don't know who you are or what you're talking about. You, you said a cop died. I don't know nothing about it. I, I didn't go with him. I swear I didn't. So you didn't go with him, eh? What, what I mean is, I, I don't. That know. doesn't sound like you don't know anything about it. Who are you? You a cop? I'm Brad Runyon. The fat man. Myra told me about you just a little while ago. When you called her on the phone? I didn't call her. I went home. I left there about 25 minutes ago. Why did you go out again so soon, then? I... Well, I, I, I know it'll sound screwy. It all sounds screwy, but there was something I had to attend to. Something I had to explain. Something like shooting a cop? No, 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 no. I tell you, I, I didn't shoot anybody. Now, listen to me. you got to believe me. you, you got to tell me that lighter of mine, where did it come from? I saw the stick-up tonight. I was standing in a doorway across the street. The man who shot the cop was wearing a cap like yours. He was your size, and he dropped this lighter when he slipped in the snow. It wasn't me. I swear it wasn't, Runyon. I didn't even know Keep that... talking. I'd like to believe you, Sam. I liked your wife. I heard about that kid of yours. Now, listen, Runyon, I don't know what your angle is in this or why you're interested, but... It looks like I'm in a jam. A big jam. Now, look, I'll, I'll come clean with you if, if, if you'll help me. Keep talking. Well, the job I've got's no good, see? I don't make any dough. It, it's hardly enough to get along. Well, I, I watched the bills pile up and Christmas was coming. Other guys give their wife and kids nice presents. I couldn't. I know all that. What happened tonight? Well, there were some guys. I met them a couple of days ago. Got in a pool game with them, one of them. I thought I'd win a little money, but instead I lost. I couldn't pay, so I gave this guy my lighter. You've got to do better than that, Sam. But it's the truth. That was two days ago. You said something about going with them tonight. I'm coming to that. Now, you've you got to believe this. This afternoon, I ran into them again. They, they said that they, they had a job I could do. What was the job? I was driving a truck for them. They offered me a hundred bucks. That's a lot of money for driving a truck. Not for this kind of driving, and I needed the money. But I've never been in trouble, so I, I backed out. I went home instead. About five minutes after I got home, a call came from one of the guys. He told me to meet him here right away, so I left and came back. It's not so good, Sam. It's true, I tell you, all of it. You don't believe it, do you? Can you prove you went home, Sam? I mean by anybody else other than your wife. Why, why no, I, I I didn't see anybody. But I did go home, I swear it, Runyon. Hey, what are you going to do? Keep sitting down, Sam. This gun's loaded. Now, wait, Runyon. Who are you calling? Police. No, no, don't do it, please. Don't you see? Shut I... up. Get me Lieutenant McKenzie. Tell him Brad Runyon is calling. Now, give me a break. I, I know it looks bad, but there must be some way I can prove I'm telling the truth. That's, that's the way guys get railroaded, don't you see? All I... I can see, Sam, is that there's been a murder. Maybe you were railroaded. Hello. Hello, Mac. Never mind where I've been. 
I'm in Kelly's Pool Hall on the corner of Carter and Calvi Street. And I think I've got something for you in connection with the killing of the cop tonight. I'll explain when you get here, so hurry. You're not going to railroad me, not if I... <laughs> that was a mistake, sir. I picked Sam up and propped him in a chair. There was a slight cut on the side of his mouth where my fist had connected. Otherwise, he was okay. Something had fallen out of his pocket. A small white card. I went over, picked the card up and looked at it. It read, Brad Runyon, Private Investigator. It was the same card I'd given his wife when I took her home. He had been home. I looked at my watch. Kenzie wouldn't waste any time. Sam Davis was headed for the chair unless I acted fast. They'd never believe the story of the card. I slipped it in my pocket. With a water cooler in the corner. I filled a paper cup and threw it in Sam's face. Come on, Sam. Come on, wake up. Huh? Uh, what? What happened? I hit you. Come on, get up. Oh, I, I told you the truth, Runyon. I swear it. I... Skip it, skip it. Now, listen to me, Sam. We haven't got much time. Nobody's going to railroad you. What do you mean? You just Let called Let me them. talk. We've got to act fast. The cops will be here any minute. Yeah, but wait a second. I don't understand. I said, you... listen. If you love that wife and kid of yours, you'll do exactly what I tell you. Understand? Why did you... Never mind that. Now, hit me. Hit you? That's what I said. Hit me as hard as you can right here on the door. Then open that window back there and wait for me to come to. And don't leave here. Whatever you do, stay. Now, come on and hit me. But I don't get it. I'm not joking. Listen, to... Sam, so help me. If you don't do what I tell you, I'll slug you again. Now, hit me. Okay. <laughs> oh. He was good. Fist exploded in my face and I went out like a light. I don't know how long I was unconscious, and at first I couldn't remember where I was when I started snapping out of it. The back of my head ached, and my jaw felt like a flat iron had hit it. Gradually, a blurred face began making sense in front of my eyes. It was Mackenzie. Brad. Brad, are you okay? Oh. Oh, Mac. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. No, don't worry, Brad. I got him. He was still here when I came in. You got him? Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, there he is over there with the handcuffs on. Huh? There. He's in on a holdup, huh? Oh, hold it, Mac. That's not the guy. Huh? Hey, what are you talking about? He was standing here right over you when I came in. I said he's not the murderer. But who is? Well, I guess he got away after slugging me. Maybe he went out through the window back there. You must be slipping, Brad. It couldn't be that you're getting soft, could it? What about this guy here? Who's he? No, he's a friend of mine named Sam Davis. He was outside and must have come in to help when he heard the row. I guess he got slugged, too. Look at his jaw. Yeah. 
Uh, golly, the mark on his jaw is almost good enough to be one of yours, Brad. Yeah. So you know this kid, huh? Yeah, he's a truck driver. Works for the Hinkle Company. Take the cuffs off him, Mac. And by the way, Sam, don't forget to drop in my office. I think I can fix you up with a better job. I'll be there. Thanks a lot for everything. Scabbard. Come on, Mac. I can't get over you letting that guy slug you and get away. Don't worry about it. My friend Sam Davis and I will get him and the rest of the gang. It's okay. Go on back to your game. Well, it turned out to be a nice night after all, Mac. Yeah, it's pretty cold, but it stopped snowing. Well, I gotta get back to headquarters. I'll walk along with you. Hey, Brad, I don't get it. This is the first time in all the years I've known you that you ever let anybody clip you and get away with it. Somebody's gonna pay for it. I'll give you those guys for Christmas presents. Well, that sounds good, but how? With a card, Mac. A card? What are you talking Listen. about? Listen. Hear that? Sure, Christmas bells. But what about this card? What kind of a card? Let's call it a Christmas card, Mac. My own. The best one I ever gave in my life. I spend my life getting into trouble and getting out of it. But at the same time, I generally manage to get some other people in and out of trouble, too. Be seeing you again. So long. Welcome back. Pretty sure that there was a less painful way for Brad to extricate uh, Sam from the situation. And I also tend to think Mac would probably believe him about the business card being proof that he had had gone home. But it does go to show that Brad's uh, heart is in the right place. Uh, though maybe not always his head. And we turn now, uh, listener comments and feedback, and uh, we have uh, this from Lawrence uh, on Facebook regarding the episode Murder Wears a False Face. And he writes, there are many words pronounced differently by English-speaking countries when saying uh, certain words. You can really tell that in this particular, uh, this particular show's episode came from another land, as it were, when Brad uh, Runyon pronounces the noun uh, garage throughout the program, and that's in the episode uh, Murder Wears a False Face. Uh, and yeah, there are certain uh, tells. Uh, you know, I, I think with the Australian programs, there's always, you know, even when they are going off of an American script, there are always certain things that uh, 
uh, give it away. And to be fair, it's not necessarily even a fault in the writing because this was, you know, made to be broadcast to an Australian uh, audience. And so on occasion, they're going to tweak things so that it can be better understood by that uh, audience. So that's not, you know, a, a bug, but we can definitely tell. And certainly, you know, pronunciations are a big thing as well. And then uh, we have a question from Brian who writes, I have a quick question. I noticed that when I download off iTunes, there's a commercial before your show starts and a commercial after your show's end. These seems to be local to my area. I hope you're benefiting from these and not Apple. If you don't benefit, I will start downloading from another service. Uh, the commercials can be annoying. Well, thanks so much uh, for the comment, Brian. And yeah, the commercials do benefit the show uh, quite a bit and, you know, uh, do go to me. And I'm sorry you found some of them annoying. Um, I actually, the, the re I talked about this on, on the show a few weeks back, but uh, part of the, the reason we, I started doing this is I was listening to a podcast and I heard the insert ads, you know, at the beginning, at the end, and occasionally in the middle. And it sounded like, as I was listening to it, you know, this this actually uh, doesn't sound bad or annoying. And I wonder if this is something that could work for uh, uh, our podcast. And I checked into it, and it was something we we're able to do. So, uh, yeah, the ads do benefit me. Uh, thanks so much uh, for the question, uh, Brian. And uh, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Richard. Richard's been one of our Patreon supporters since April 2018, uh, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. And that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for The Man Called X. And then next week, we're going to uh, be on uh, vacation. But be sure and listen for a great uh, episode from our archives. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.